Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. As a small business owner, you are the business, and you know the time you're spending on payroll and HR could be spent in a hundred better ways. Ceridian PowerPay is fast, simple, and intuitive software trusted by over 40,000 Canadian small business owners like you. Automate your HR and payroll processes, keep track of compliance, and pay your people from your desktop or mobile phone. Free up time to focus on what really matters when it comes to your business, and get back to doing what you love with Ceridian PowerPay. Applications are now open for the Canadian Export Challenge, CXC 2020, presented in partnership with UPS, the Trade Commissioner Service, and Export Development Canada, along with MasterCard and Scotiabank, and powered by Google Canada, is the first nationwide fully digital pitch competition for Canadian exporters. This year, the Canadian Export Challenge will be accepting all first-round pitches through online video submissions. Don't miss your chance to pitch for up to $25,000 cash and up to $100,000 in support. What are you waiting for? Submit your pitch video now. The free events are open to attend for all Canadian entrepreneurs and anyone interested in learning more about the Canadian export ecosystem. Register at startupcan.ca forward slash CXC. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rick Spence, business journalist, editor, public speaker, and entrepreneur. After 15 years as the national entrepreneurship columnist at the National Post, and as the former editor and publisher of Profit Magazine, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, scalable, and successful. On this show, we connect you with Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. You'll meet the people driving the entrepreneurial movement and will share their first-person adventures and their tips, hacks, and best advice for running startup and growth companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to this show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. To entrepreneurs everywhere, this is your show. Ladies and gentlemen, entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're thrilled to have Ottawa entrepreneur Aidan Mirzai, co-founder and CEO of Fellow.app. Fellow is an app that's been called a manager's co-pilot. It helps managers and their teams have better meetings, exchange feedback, set priorities, and much more. Prior to Fellow... Aiden co-founded Ottawa-based Fluidware in 2008, an online survey company. Fluidware was bootstrapped and grew to a $10 million run rate with over 90 people on staff. In 2014, Fluidware was acquired by SurveyMonkey, the world's leading online survey company. Aiden is a University of Ottawa engineering grad. He's also the co-founder of FreshFounders.com, a nonprofit organization with the vision to foster a community of top entrepreneurs in the nation's capital. Welcome to the show, Aiden. Uh, super glad to be here. 
Yeah, I'm delighted to have you. I've been in a covering entrepreneurship for a long time, but you and I have never crossed paths before. So this is very exciting for me. I was a, a power user of, of, of fluidware in my day. So, uh, oh, uh, cool. Good to know. Delighted to meet you. I'd love to learn more about that a little bit later and, and how that whole experience went for you. But first, let's uh, earn our listeners' attention because they're all busy entrepreneurs and let them know what they can get out of listening to this podcast. So what's, what are the, what's the top piece of advice or two top pieces of advice that you hope they'll go away with after listening to this conversation? Um, I think, you know, for, for me, uh, one of the things uh, about entrepreneurship is that I think entrepreneurship is a really great way for you to start something. Uh, and to see initial success from something. Uh, but I've, what I've realized over the course of time is that to really get something to scale beyond the, you know, I have a few sales here and there, uh, it's really about people and it's really about accomplishing the mission of your company through those people. And managing people is a really hard thing because nobody actually preps us for it. And so what I realized is that <laughs> basically, you know, if you want to actually get your company to scale, you just have to master this art. Uh, and if you can do that, then you're well positioned to be successful. Sounds like you created a product that could help. <laughs> Coincidentally enough, right? <laughs> yeah, actually, we have. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's funny that, you know, you asked me that question because that's it's just one of those things that I fundamentally believe in. Uh, you know, you talked about the last company and our experience there. And basically the idea for what we're doing at Fellow, uh, which is my new company, uh, is everything that we, we kind of learned there. It was one of those things that one of those skill sets that I don't think we had developed uh, as a leadership team uh, or not as well as we would have liked. Um, and that was that was a big uh, realization for us. And so, you know, during our whole time scaling Fluidware from, you know, one employee all the way to like 90, as you said, and then joining the world's largest survey company and then growing with them and then they IPO'd. Um, so basically, like going through that whole process, I just realized how important the people aspect was. And that like once your company is a certain size, the, the only way that you can be successful is, is by doing work through uh, the help of others and, you know, finding and retaining the best talents um, and getting people to buy into your mission and everything else that, that comes with that. So it's just such an important thing, but I feel like um, it's not something that's often talked about. Uh, not not in a very broad way. People think of it as, oh, these are just soft skills, and you know, but but it's a lot more than that. And there are frameworks and things that you can do and apply. And uh, I feel like it's something that can be thought uh, taught. Basically, I mean, you know, there's an age-old saying which is, uh, you can maybe say leaders are born, but managers or great managers are actually made. And so, you know, we're on a mission to help. Uh, create great managers in organizations across the world. It's a great mission. I love the fact that it's so personal. It's based on your experience. So can we talk about the problem a little bit? What were some of the the the, the, the growing problems that you had earlier in your career that, that led you into uh, into Fellow and, and uh, having uh, the, this app for managers? What, can you just tell me some of the things that you struggled with personally? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think it, it, it was basically a lot of the, uh, you know, when we started out, it was, you know, the year was 2008. 
this is my my last one. And how old were you, how old were you then? Uh, I'm really bad with uh, timing thing. I, I might have been 21 or 22, so, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so right. Relatively young, and uh, when I yeah, when we started that, basically it was one thing. We built a product, we pivoted probably five or six times until we found something that really worked. Uh, and then it was, you know, it, it was working. So we needed more people to help. And so, you know, the next step for us was how do we get, um, you know, we hired some people and so we became managers and, you know, that was one thing. Um, but then, you know, you, you do a little bit better and then you become managers of managers. Uh, and then you start to wonder, you know, am I doing this right? But even more importantly, are the people who report to me, are they doing it right? And if I don't know if I'm doing this right, how do I make sure that they're doing it right? And it starts to become this really important concept of, you know, you start to realize that the biggest leverage point, the highest leverage point for any organization is the managers in that organization. Like that is basically the layer through which, you know, as an entrepreneur and as a head of an organization, you can really have influence. Um, it's the highest leverage point. And so it was an important thing. I mean, I made all of the classical errors um, that you know people do when, when starting out. Uh, I think you know, being a naive 21 or 22-year-old, uh, I was very proud of getting a lot of work done. And so it was often, you know, I, I fell into the trap of, hey, every... Um, you know, I, I could get someone else to do this, but you know, I've been, you know, I, it'd be so much faster if I did this myself. Um, so, you know, constantly- can I just ask you, your, 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 your partner was your brother, right? Uh, so and still, had, still uh, is. We actually had uh, three, three co-founders. Uh, so one of them actually was my brother, and uh, so three of us. Uh, this is actually our, you know, fast forward to today. This is our third business together. So we've actually co-founded three companies together. One of them did okay. The second one did really well. And then we hope that Fellow will do the best of all. But you know that is a story right, right. still being written, and, and we will see. Um, but yes. And uh, and 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 your 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 brother is he younger or older? Uh, he is younger. He's about three yeah, and a half so, years. Yeah. Okay. Right. And and your your other your other co-founders at at Fluid. Uh, were they sort of the same age? I mean, are you all in the same position? This is this is basically uh, your first job post school. Uh, it was not my first job post school. I did work at Nortel uh, for all know, right, just okay. under two years. If you live if you live in Ottawa, uh, chances are you or someone you know uh, worked at Nortel. It's, it's right, one of those right, things. Right. Uh, but I'm just getting to the fact that uh, you know sometimes people come together with different. Uh, skill sets and years of experience, but but this was a pretty green team, so you can't learn from each other. Well, uh, not, not quite. So I did have a co-founder that was actually 33 years older than I was. Uh, so we definitely we definitely had a had a mix. So probably you did. Okay, excellent. Probably on the younger side, and then uh, and then we had another co-founder who was uh, who was definitely more experienced than we were. Right. Okay. Uh, but. Still, you had to learn it as you went along. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, uh, I mean, there's a lot to learn. Uh, you know, every business is different. And the other concept is, even at Fellow, you know, we've done this before. We've had the exit. You know, we've we've seen a scaling company. We've seen it go through an IPO. 
But even with all of that, every company is different because the world has changed. So a lot of the things that you used to do before, they're not the same. You can't use the same toolkit for a new set of problems. And uh, the world is a lot more competitive. There's new channels. There's just like so much complexity. And so really, even in the future, I think it's, it's much more about solving problems from first principles. And uh, those can be informed by lessons in the past, but you can't rely on doing the exact, running the exact same playbook. And, and it's an interesting concept because, uh, you know, and, and it's one of the things that we never did at my last company and, and, and we're doing at this time around, which is creating company values from the get-go, right? So these are like some of the subtle things that I've learned about the importance of building teams and, and running a great culture and building an organization. One of them is obviously having the corporate values. And one of our corporate values, which is very aligned with, with, with what I was just saying, is this concept of write the playbook. So that kind of presupposes that we have a lot of people that have a lot of experience from all walks of life, and we should let those experiences inform what we do, but not dictate them because we're writing a new playbook. Uh, and so that that's one of the things. It's our first value. It's, it's very ingrained in the culture here. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just so many lessons to take from, from the last time around. And it, it's very instructive. You know, what are some of the things that we did at Fluidware? And what are some of the things we're not doing anymore? But also, what are the things that we're repeating? And, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned from both of those. Well, I'm, I'm game to jump into that if you are. What's, what's one lesson you learned from not doing but, uh, that led to not doing the same? And what's another lesson you learned that led, that you learned that led you to doing the same thing as you did in the previous company? Um, absolutely. So, I, I mean, there's a bunch of different things. But so one of the things that we did not do at the last company was we shied away from PR in general. Uh, we just thought that it was it was all noise and it didn't really matter and uh, we just didn't really do very much. I mean, to, to give you a sense of how bad we were at PR at the last company, uh, we basically had almost no press mentions uh, until the day that we got acquired. Uh, and and then like everybody wrote about our Wall Street Journal and the like and like all the right, but right. that wasn't because we did anything. It was that our acquiring company, SurveyMonkey, decided to post about it. So just to put in context of how bad we were um, that time around. And so what we started to realize is that you know one of the things that is particularly important is it, it's it's fine if you have a great product. Uh, but the concept of building a brand that people trust as to being the go-to authoritative source um, for a given topic or given expertise, that's a thing that you just can't do by continuously building this product. And so this is one of the things that we've realized for Fellow is that you know ultimately people are recognizing that we're kind of this authoritative go-to source for all management content and learnings. And yes, we have software that helps with all that stuff. Um, and it's, you know, you can basically use it to be a better manager and to be a better leader. But even if you don't want to use our software, we definitely want you to engage with, you know, all the things that we've created. And so it's just having that deep sense of understanding of you have to build the brand. So that's one of the things that we're doing different. Uh, amongst the things that we're doing the same, uh, one, you know, I understand, uh, we understood very well that 
it's a bad idea to build anything in a bubble. So what you don't want to do is come up with an idea and then toy away in a laboratory somewhere without talking to anyone or speaking to anyone and just build this thing and then go out and try and sell it. So my preferred method and my co-founding team's preferred method is that we actually build with a customer in mind from the get-go. So ideally, you have someone who's going committed to try the product at the very least, and it, even before you start building anything. And you know, it's this common thing of find the buyer. Sorry, does that mean building in collaboration with I, with potential customers? Ideally, you can pull that off. Building in collaboration makes all the sense in the world. But you know, there's this age-old saying again, like uh, find the buyer first before you. Figure out what people are buying before you build the product. Uh, now, right. can you do it the other way? Sure. Are there examples of people who have done it the other way? Sure. But I think business is a game of statistics and odds. And so the only thing, you can't guarantee anything, but the one thing that you can do is to attempt to increase your odds at every step of the funnel. And so, you know, with that rationale, like I, I do believe that you should build with the buyer in mind. And ideally, if you can collaborate with someone in building that product, then that's even better. And so for us, we, we definitely did that the first time around. Uh, in my last company, we literally, I would design screenshots on some image editing software. And I would go to people and show and demo screenshots and would say, hey, would you, would you buy this? And can we get your commitment? Um, and, that, and, and we wouldn't build anything unless like, we had that level of commitment. Uh, and then for the new company, it was very similar. I mean, we basically uh, showed the initial ideas of what our product was to some folks at Shopify, and they committed to try the product. It didn't mean anything. It was a very, it wasn't like a huge commitment necessarily at that time. They said, yeah, we'll, we'll get a few people within the company to try Fellow. Uh, and so that, that's kind of how that started. But of course, and, and we iterated and they gave us feedback and the first few versions were horrific and it just kept getting better. And here we were working with, you know, obviously one of the largest companies in the world now, uh, especially one of the most forward thinking companies in the world now that has a great culture, um, really cares about management and, and their people. And we had this opportunity to build this thing uh, with their feedback and, and with their collaboration. And so after you know, multiple iterations, it grew to 100 people and then 200 and then 500 people that were using it within the company. And then they deployed it all across the company. And you know, we had their global workforce of you know, many thousands of people uh, using the product. And so with that kind of a launch, then everybody else wanted to do what Shopify was doing. Um, so if, if Shopify feels that Fellow is almost like a secret weapon that helps their employees be more engaged, their managers perform better and be better leaders, then why wouldn't they want to try it? So just basically... That's a, fabu that, that, that's a fabulous story. Um, let me just ask you, did you know the people at Shopify? Did you appeal to them to help you out as friends or was it always a business proposition to them? Um, I, I think that it's, it's not a smart idea for um, any business to do anything that is not good for the business. Like this is a general thing. And I also think that, you know, it's not a good thing for anybody to, um, you know, ask someone else for uh, something unless it's also something that is good for them. So 
we, you know, being in Ottawa, obviously, uh, and you know, Shopify being headquartered in Ottawa, obviously, uh, there there was connections, but ultimately, you know, the software has to stand up for itself. And so, um, yes, we got a foot in the door, and there's always a way to get a foot in the door in any organization. You you almost always have contacts that have contacts, and so on and so forth. But really, like then you're on your own. Um, you know, you know, no company is going to do anything unless it has like big benefit to themselves. And so that's how you have to think about it. You can find. A way so you had to. So you you had to sell them. You were you. They were trying it for free, but you still had to sell them on that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And we had yeah. like multiple iterations, and there was a point, you know, in the project where uh, it was on the brink of okay, we tried it, it didn't work, um, and we said no, please give us one more shot. Uh, and, you know, like with more iterations and things like that and, and, until we got it. So none of these things, again, are guarantees. Uh, you still have to work really hard. You still have to build a product that people love. And, and even then, you have to keep improving it so that people continue to love it because the world is dynamic. Uh, needs change. Um, what, you know, what, what people's ideas change. The, the landscape changes. And so you, you always have to be on top of the ball and continue to, to make uh, your offering better. You mentioned that moment when Shopify almost said, hey, enough of this, it's not working for us. And you said, we'll give us some more time. So was, was, was there, what, what changed at that point? How did you turn it around from being something that obviously wasn't working for the, for the intended client to something that was, that became an essential tool for them? Yeah, for us, it was, uh, you know, this is a, the story of many pivots. Uh, so, so I think, you know, when we first started out, the, the product was, the, the idea behind it was for it to be this peer-to-peer uh, -peer feedback tool to continuously get you know, more feedback to be exchanged across the company. And uh, so we started with that, and we had a certain approach of building, you know, Slack had recently at the time, um, built the, this concept of bots and so you could build a bot, a chat bot within Slack and uh, that could be your know, framework for, for people to interact with your software. And so our first approach was very Slack oriented. It was very feedback oriented. And so when we started out, you know, people were, were using the product, but they would then stop using it. And so we, we would ask the the, the different people, why did you stop using it? And they said, well, you know, it's kind of cool, but my manager's not using it. And so uh, I stopped using it too. And then we went to the managers and we said, hey, why did you stop using it? And they said, well, you know, it's kind of cool, but feedback is, is important, but it's a hard place to do this in, in Slack. It's a very distracting environment. There's notifications all over the place. And also the feedback are important, but it's not, say, something that we interact with on a daily basis. And so over the course of time, if you don't use it, um, then you basically, you know, may, may lose the habit. And so we just did the obvious thing. And we said, well, what kind of things would we have to build so that you would use it all the time and every day? Um, and so, you know, they, we talked about different things like, well, it'd be really cool if we could run our one-on-one -on -one meetings uh, through Fellow. Or it would be really cool if we could run, say, our team meetings or our staff meetings or our project syncs and things like that through Fellow. Uh, it would be really cool if we could 
kind of set goals on things that we want the team to achieve and for it to be agile and for us to do those sorts of things through fellow. And really it was that through that line of questioning that we basically just said, you know, realize this aha moment of if we really want to build a tool that is a productivity tool for managers and their teams, uh, then the way to do it is this is the set of functionality that we have to build and it can't be limited to Slack. Slack has to be a channel but you know this has to be its own platform it's got to be a web platform we'll have the mobile app and we'll have slack and we'll have other integrations but but ultimately it has to be a freestanding product and so it was just through that feedback that we had to go back to the drawing board uh create another set of screenshots sell those screenshots uh and ask them to give us time to actually build those screenshots and uh, so they kind of gave us a deadline and they said, look, you know, we kind of really need something, uh, you know, make sure that you have it before this date, you know, otherwise we need to solve this problem. And so we either look elsewhere or we build it internally. And so we were under the time crunch and uh, we basically went about it that way. That is one of the best succinct stories of business success I've ever heard is that you were on. Uh, you, you you were on the right track, but you were going the wrong way, and uh, and and the, the the fact that you were working live with a reference customer uh, helped create that new vision. So they're they're practically co-founders of the whole business at Shopify. Yeah, we won't tell them. We won't give yeah. them equity. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, obviously, we have a very close uh, working relationship with them, and. And it's ongoing, and you know one of the one of the great benefits for us is that uh, there's a lot of great things about Shopify. Obviously, you know, great culture. Uh, they care a lot about management and leadership. They care. They really live the um, you know feedback culture that they talk about. Um, but on top of that, here's an organization uh, with many thousands of people who are all very product oriented, uh, all very entrepreneurial. And so when you have a large set of people like um, you know, even as time progresses, giving you a lot of feedback on, on the product, uh, and they're not shy. You don't even have to ask for it. It just comes. So it just, you know, it's, it's a great place to, to be because, um, obviously it continues to, uh, help you evolve your product so that, uh, you can then take a lot of those things and obviously offer it to, you know, other companies across the world. Fantastic. Okay. Now the 60 second challenge, tell us how the fellow app works. Tell us, you know, what it can do for me and my team, but you've only got 60 seconds to tell me all the great things it does. Yeah. Um, it's really simple. I mean, you know, the pitch is if you're a manager and you have a team, you should use fellow, um, but it will help you do all sorts of things, help you run uh, great one-on-ones, one-on-ones that you literally come out of and feel energetic and happy about, um, run great staff meetings. You can set goals. It's not an HR tool. It's, it's mostly a productivity tool for managers and their teams. And it's the sort of thing that once you start using, you'll find yourself using almost every day. That was less than 60 seconds. That's fantastic. To, to, just to explain to me how it enhances the, the one-on-one meeting, because we, we, my experience is all in live, in-person, one-on-one meetings and trying desperately to avoid accountability for anything. Um, how, does, how does Fellow enhance that experience for both sides? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot of the things. I mean, I, I think one of the things that most managers uh, need to understand is that the, uh, the one-on-one is basically the employee's meeting. 
And so that means that, you know, oftentimes you should walk into a meeting with, with there being an actual agenda and things that you're going to talk about. Um, and a lot of times that's going to be, a lot of that material is going to be filled out by, uh, by your direct report. Um, it's not to say that the manager shouldn't also participate, but they should never be doing all of the talking. Uh, it should really be a, a two-way uh, street. And sometimes people have a hard time figuring out what to talk about, and they default to things like project updates. And so what Fellow does is it gives you smart suggestions of you know, things to talk about, both for the manager and for uh, the individual contributor. And it just does it in this one location. It's collaborative, so everybody collaborate on the agenda. Uh, and then it helps with accountability. So if I, as a manager, promise that I'm going to introduce uh, someone on my team to say someone else, and I said I'm going to do it, we write that down and that becomes an action item. And the next time we meet, if I haven't done it, I'll be reminded. Uh, and it's also a great memory aid in a lot of ways. You know, oftentimes you're in a different place, you're in a different setting, and you think about, oh, I should really talk about this with my uh, with my team or in a particular meeting. And you could pull up the fellow app on your phone and basically, you know, type that in. And this way, you're always building collaborative agendas with all the different people that you work with. And so when you're actually meeting with those people, you're not thinking about what do I talk about? You often have things already uh, kind of, you know, thought out in agenda format. Uh, but on top of that, you, you also get these suggested topics. And, and the nice thing is tracking this stuff over the course of time, right? Really being able to look back, seeing all the milestones, the goals that were achieved, and uh, you know the various things and seeing the history of all that stuff uh, in one place. It almost starts to become like an institutional memory, not just for all the different relationships that you have at work, whether those are group relationships or one-to-one -one relationships. And, and what happens to the... So sorry. So so when you have a one to one meeting, is it done through like, it does does it merely set up the meeting and then the meeting is live, or does it actually facilitate a, a voice based meeting? Oh no. So it's uh, you know oftentimes either you're meeting in person or you're using you know Zoom or Skype or Google Hangouts or something right. like that. We don't. That's not us. Uh, what we are is the application that. Um, very like basically you can use to build a collaborative agenda. Uh, you can type notes in before, after, during. Uh, you can track action items in. Think of it as as a software tool, as an aid that, or kind of like a smart assistant that you would use uh, with in in companion. Right, right. Got it. Got it. And just uh, let me ask you, what what happens to that data? So, do I as a manager? own and have sole access to the data that I've been put it in there? Or can my boss see my notes about the upcoming meetings uh, that, are, that are happening? Because I don't want that. Yeah. So, and that's exactly why only you can see it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's an important thing. I think it's a very draconian way that some other software tools used to handle some of these sorts of things. Um, but yeah, basically, if a conversation happens between two people, it, stays within two people. That's pretty amazing. And uh, uh, I understand that you did a lot of testing with other organizations uh, besides Shopify, because uh, I, mean, I mean, obviously you needed, in, in order to build a tool that would provide uh, additional context setting and saying, uh, you, you know, here are some more things you need to talk about, you need to have some fairly applied and experienced 
management thought behind it. So where did that come from? Yeah, so uh, we've obviously done uh, a bunch of, like, you know, I've read personally maybe over 100 books on the topic of management and leadership, and uh, so have other people on, on the team. So we've done a lot of research, like we really understand this space. Uh, we wrote the book on one-on-one meetings. It's called The Art of the One-on-One Meeting. It's 90 pages of the best research material that we've gathered uh, from all managers from all walks of life. All the top companies uh, that that you know uh, you, you'd recognize, and uh, we also wrote, wrote a companion book. Uh, it's also uh, it's for for individual contributors that are looking to leverage um, and get the most out of their career, and uh, basically to use the one-on-one meeting as like the as a really powerful tool for themselves. Uh, and that book is called uh, basically The Art of Meeting with Your Manager. So we have The Art of the One-on-One Meeting and The Art of Meeting with Your Manager, uh, two books that, that we wrote on the topic. And But ultimately, you know, our view of what a manager is, is, is pretty simple. Like the role of the manager is basically to ensure that through their involvement, the team, their team should produce a lot more than if they were not involved with the team. And, and that may sound like a very simple concept, uh, but you can probably think to your career and think about times where actually you feel like if your manager was removed, uh, that the team might actually do better. Uh, and that's obviously not a great situation. Um, but we think that, you know, we think when done correctly, uh, you can actually achieve exponential performance. So, you know, a lot of people talk about you know, individual contributors or, you know, a certain employee being a star employee or someone being like a 10x engineer, which is a phrase thrown around from time to time. We think that all those things are invalid. Um, And there's no such thing as like one person who is uh, basically the superstar performer and everybody else is just okay. We just don't believe in that. We think it's more everything is about the team and the manager is almost like the orchestrator. And if you put the right people together and the right puzzle pieces together and you continue to work with them and help them grow their career and really act as a coach, that's how you can get 10x performance. And again, like from an organizational perspective, imagine if all of your managers were able to create 10x performers in all of their teams. And that's re- this is really interesting to me because I you're bringing back all kinds of nightmares for me about one-on-one meetings I had with various bosses in my career. And the fact is that no one teaches you how to do it. None of the organizations that I've worked in had any protocols around these meetings. So you're sort of on your own. And uh, there were no books on the subject at the time that I'm aware of. So everyone was making it up as they went along. And most of those we- meetings were a certainly not strategically conducted. And they were usually just progress reports that turned into, what are you doing this weekend? Uh, so a tremendous opportunity missed. And you're really helping us capture that. So I- I'm delighted by this. Um, the two books you mentioned... Uh, I understand that anyone can get them. There are free downloads on your site at fellow.app. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, part of the thing is like... How, how many of them? How, how many books have you given away? Do you know? How many have been downloaded? Um, I, I mean, the, I, I don't have the exact number, but I can <laughs> say that it's in the, you know, over 10,000 range. Fantastic. Yeah, that's a bestseller <laughs> if it was a seller. 
but that's fantastic. Is that part of sort of the, 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 the PR marketing context that you talked about that was missing from Fluidware that you're trying to do uh, at Fellow to create, you know, uh, materials and context around the product and position it as, as, as a leader in the field? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, part of that is that, you know, we can't, we can't just get people to uh, use our software unless those folks believe that we know what we're talking about and that we're this authority and this uh, thought leader in, in the space of uh, management. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, this is one of the things that, um, you know, aligns with, with that kind of strategy. Yeah. And tell me, I can see how uh, a product like this works in an, an enterprise setting. Um, does it apply to startups as well? Oh, 100%. And, you know, maybe... So what the product actually feels like is we want to take a modern approach on all this stuff, right? So uh, this is a product that needs to work well for, say, the millennial audience and uh, and obviously new people to the workforce, but also for people that are super experienced. And so what we've done is we've really crafted a very lightweight, fun-to-use experience that that mimics a lot of the other tools that, that people are used to. So tools like Asana or Trello or Slack, Fellow feels very much like um, those tools. It's, it's very lightweight, easy to use. And uh, we have organizations from all walks of life. I mean, yes, in the enterprise setting, and we talk about uh, you know, a big company like Shopify, but there's also uh, startups as small as five people using the product or churches and universities and colleges and nonprofits mm-hmm. and you know basically you know out, companies that make you know pumps for the oil and gas industry like really from all walks of life so uh, it applies to any any team anywhere all right now you're selling it i like the sound of all that that's great can you give us a, a snapshot of where fellow is now as an organization how many people do you have how many customers either paying or free because there's a freemium level on there do you have what what can you tell us about uh, about the organization that helps us gauge its size and breadth yeah so uh i so we we don't share uh some of that information but i but i can tell you that the uh team crossed the uh is crossed the 20 threshold um and is ramping up quickly uh, so I'm sure by the time this is published, that number will be a lot higher. Um, and in the, you know, basically, you know, company and user level, all of those numbers are in the uh, very high, many, many thousands. That's very cool. And uh, if, if someone wanted to try the the, the, the the freemium level, what do they have to do? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's just a super simple, just like any other sort of internet tool that you're familiar with. Uh, you just go to fellow.app. Um, and just uh, sign up for free. <laughs> you make it sound easy. It is easy. <laughs> As you mentioned earlier, running a business is hard. Be- learning to be a manager is hard. What are some of the things that startup leaders need to do based on your management research and experience that you know even the app can't help them with? What, 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 what attitudes do they need? What practices do they need to adopt? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And the reality is, is that no software tool is going to, you know, basically just on its own, turn you into a great manager. Just like no software is going to turn a salesperson into an amazing salesperson, or no marketing software is going to turn you into a genius marketer. 
all of those like great software can help, but you've got to do a lot of work on your own as well. Um, and obviously, like I, I think it starts with um, starting to um, basically read um, a lot of material. And, and there's certainly a lot of books that I would recommend on the topic. Um, what I would say is that the number one book uh, that I would recommend out of you know all the different books uh, written um, out there, uh, for, one of them would be basically the, the Making of a Manager. Uh, so this is a book written by Julie Zhu, and she was uh, her story was she started as a designer uh, at Facebook, and you know then one day uh, when she was very young she got thrown uh, into being a manager and she didn't know what to do or how to do it and she didn't know what management was all about. <laughs> Uh, and you usually get so you usually get selected for a manager job because you excelled at something that wasn't exactly, management. Hundred percent. And so, I mean, she kind of realized that. And by the way, like this is a very common, you know, you typically promote who's doing really well in an individual contributor role, and then they're in this brand new role. And so, it, it's her story. But what was really interesting about it is she then goes on to to become the VP of Design at Facebook uh, for many many years. And so she wrote this book. It's she's an incredible writer. Uh, it is, and so it sounds like, oh well, I would only read this if I'm a new manager. I would encourage people with 20, 30 years of experience to still read the book. It's super refreshing. It just, you know, sometimes uh, reading a different take and a view on all of this stuff uh, is very refreshing. And if I were a CEO, frankly, I'd buy this book on Amazon for all of my, uh, for all the managers in my company. I, I think it's, it's actually worth that investment. Um, and there's also other books. There's another one called High Output Management. Uh, so this one is written by Andy Grove, uh, who is the CEO at Intel for a very long time. And it's very interesting. Some of the concepts that managers and leaders and employees today think about very often. So things like a having one-on-ones, Andy Grove was one of the, the first very well-known people uh, to focus on this concept of everybody should have a one-on-one -on -one at Intel and actually force that it happen. Uh, on top of that, he talks about a bunch of different things like the importance of training, but from a super practical le level. You know, you know, basically the, 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 the lore goes that in Intel, you know, he used to be involved in training new employees and, you know, even as CEO of such a large company, he was part of that training process because he understood that, you know, if he wants this organization to prosper without him, that investing in training is one of the most valuable things that you could possibly do. He also really brought to the forefront some things like OKRs, so objectives and key results, which is obviously you know, a, a methodology and goal setting for organizations, but he really was one of the ones that very, you know, very much popularized that. Uh, and another one that I would recommend, um, you know, books are, books are always very, very uh, you know, a very good place. And especially if you get books that uh, dive into a lot of, uh, you know, great material that comes from a bunch of different sources. Uh, another one that I would say is Radical Candor by Kim Scott. Uh, and so, you know, Kim was basically an was basically a leader uh, at Facebook. Her boss was Sheryl Sandberg, who basically uh, was 
uh, effectively the, uh, well, it is today the COO at Facebook. And they basically had this relationship and it starts out by this incredible feedback that uh, Cheryl gives to Kim and it, it totally changes her career. And it kind of starts from there. Uh, it's an incredible story, but so much wisdom of best practices that managers and organizations everywhere do. And I think like what it's got to come to is you've got to treat management as a craft and a skill and something that you have to continuously improve on. If you're a software developer, you're always getting better at learning how to build better software. If you're a manager or you're a leader, you always have to be working on that and actually set personal goals for yourself to continuously get better. And I think what these three books do is they will give you a very good basis of some of the things that you should be actively trying to uh, improve. Um, and I think it, it's a really good place to start. But you really have to work on yourself. It, it, these things are not going to get better uh, just by doing the same things over and over again. Yeah, that, that, that's an amazing insight. And I appreciate that. And I'm going to send a copy of this to all my former bosses. Um, <laughs> good idea. One of the things that, that, that I, I'm intrigued by is you're really out to rehabilitate the title and duties of managers. Because I think we live in this age that's sort of the cult of leadership, the charismatic leader, the get it done leader, uh, the, 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 the CEO who who's the face of the company and the spirit of the organization and takes credit for everything that happens there. And yet you're, you're talking constantly about management. And, you know, whenever there's a, a quiz that says, are you a manager or a leader? The manager is the lesser, uh, the le less important, the less significant, uh, the less influential, the less aspirational of the two. So tell me why managers are the key yeah, so I, I think that managers have to lead and leaders have to manage. And really, whoever you talk to will, uh, will give you different variations of this, um, of you know, what definition they, they necessarily prefer. Um, but we like to talk about management because management is an important concept. Uh, it's something that it's a skill. Uh, great managers are created. They're not born. And so you can be, you know, naturally, say, a charismatic leader, and that's really important too. But if you're not good at executing and you're not good at managing, you're not going to, you're going to be all vision and no execution. Um, leadership has a, a very important role, and uh, it, it, it's also something that you can continuously get better at. But I think that management has been neglected for, for so long. And, and it's also changing. The definition of some of this stuff is changing. So one of the things that we believe in, you know, in the context of the way that new organizations are working is that, you know, in the past, I think like if you rewind to, uh, you know, 50 years or 100 years, it was very much a, you know, the manager basically tells you what to do and you do it. And with the introduction of knowledge workers, who are you know these people that are solving very creative problems like they're actually the most important part of the organization and really a manager's job is almost to to basically serve them and there's this concept of servant leadership which is basically at the you know top of the pyramid is actually the people who are you know basically at the front lines and solving the creative problems and, and making things happen and really a manager's job is to be the coach uh, and to help them perform. 
like the true athletes are actually, you know, you know, you know, those folks. And so a coach's job is to continuously give them feedback and help them progress and unblock them and figure out like what they can do to get that team of athletes to, to, to do better. Um, and so those are the things we believe in this servant leadership. We think, you know, this concept is, is changing and it, it's an important skill on its own. And, and I think that people need to, it's, it's one of those things that if done well can have exponential benefits. Um, and, and yeah, we just, we just want to make sure that, that more people in organizations everywhere sort of kind of understand a lot of these philosophies and can put them into practice. Yeah. There was a, 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 a series of books that came out maybe 20 years ago or so talking about the one-to-one relationship with customers. And they, it really reset people's expectations for how you sell uh, to big organizations in particular. And I love your focus on the one-to-one meeting as, a, as sort of the fundamental building block of a great company. So thank you so much for this, Aiden. It's been a great conversation. The few things I'm taking away from this are it's all about the people, management as collaboration, as you just said now, um, partnerships with customers, how, how life-changing those can be, um, having an insatiable appetite for pivots because you've been <laughs> very patient and hardworking over the years. And I love what you said right off the top that leaders are born, but managers are made. So uh, it's not magic, it's practice and skill and diligence. So that's great. As we head out, do you have one more actionable piece of advice that entrepreneurs can take away from this conversation and put into effect at their business today? Yeah, go download one of the books that I, I, I mentioned and really invest in, in, in becoming a better manager because, again, that's the, the key lever that's going to help you scale your business. Great. Thank you so much, Aiden. It's been a great conversation. Uh, congratulations on your success. Continued good luck with uh, Fellow, and thanks for taking part in the Startup Canada podcast. Thanks for having me. We'll talk again. Thanks for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur. Please stay tuned for another minute to hear the latest startup community news and our upcoming events lineup, including our hashtag startup chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 noon Eastern time. I sometimes show up there too. Until next week, I'm your Startup Canada podcast host, Rick Spence. <laughs>